In episode 3.6 of Unshuffled, we discuss the sixth and, to this point, final album in Gojira's catalogue, Magma. But first, here is our awesome intro music from Seven Planets. Scotty D. Matt. Good sir, we are, we're at the end of a run here. Well, yeah, it, it's almost been literally an era or an eon, it seems. But yeah, we've reached the end. I always feel like there's a special celebratory sort of vibe to the last one. We've, this is our thir- the third time we've done it. Mm. I feel like we need party hats and little poppers and things to celebrate <laughs> we those little things you blow through <laughs> yeah it feels like an achievement you know it does we made it i think mm. I, and this is just pure speculation i've got no inside knowledge about anyone or anything mm. um, but i'm still going back to the fact that we got a new track right that's single another world mm. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if you ever listened to it. We talked about it last time. I have time. listened to it, yeah. Anyway. I have listened to it, and I'd like to chat briefly about it at the end of this podcast. Okay, we can do that. But that's got to be a signifier that there's an album on the way, right? There is. And, and so, um, wait. It's coming up on a lot of most anticipated albums of 2021 lists that I'm seeing at the moment. Okay, because if I've looked back over the last, what, three, four albums, everything, well, all right, never mind, last two they come out in June. So uh, I was thinking, ah, there's got to be a June a June drop date. Mm. Well, let's hope so. I'm something to look forward to as, as the rest of the metal community seems to be looking forward to it. But yeah, I mean, this it's been a while. It's taken us a good few months to get through these. I remember listening to the first song on the first album. It was on my headphones. I was standing next to Lake Wenderee, which is the lake in my hometown of Ballarat in Australia on a cold, cold winter's day when I first heard uh, the first song of Terra Incognita. Now, what was it called? The, the Clone, something like that. Um, and here we are. We're at the end, several continents later. I think it was when I'm looking back. So I'm looking back through views. I was just kind of looking back over our our journey with Gojira, and I think it was around Mars to Sirius where they stopped sort of writing about the band retroactively and writing about them in the present. Mm. And and it was where you start to see kind of that anticipation building and all of the reviews for what's coming next. And and I felt the same because as especially from Mars to Sirius as we moved on, each album was a was a whole new, a whole new different approach. Yeah, and uh, I've enjoyed it. It's mm. it has been. I mean, what we've been at this, I think, for August. So what, five months? Yeah, five months. But uh, but I've enjoyed it mm. thoroughly. Me too. So, listeners, if you are listening for the first time, this is unshuffled. We are doing our best to bring back the album. We believe that albums 
are the best way to listen to music. We believe that the modern way of digesting music for most people through apps and YouTube and, you know, shuffling things up has taken something away and we're trying to bring back a more structured and considered approach to listening to music. We're doing it band by band, album by album. So we're choosing a band that we know we would have liked to have listened to, we wish we'd listened to, but we never got around to. And I'm sure if you think about it, you, you could think of plenty of your own. And we are starting with their first album and we're listening to it intentionally, carefully, over a period of weeks, then we're coming together and discussing it track by track and then we're doing it with the next album. I think it's a great way to get to know a band and it's a great way to listen to music. So it's been you know, an enjoyable journey and especially with a band like Gojira, you get to see what has become a very well-known, very popular band, but you get to join the journey from their infancy and experience the growth along with the band. So I, I did see an article recently, uh, it was about Cult of Luna, saying if you haven't listened to Cult of Luna, here's the albums you should listen to. And I thought, and I actually contributed through the Twitter feed, no, that's not, I disagreed. The, if you haven't listened to Cold of Luna and you want to, start with their first album, then listen to the second, then the third. I think that's the best way. You know, it's not something I've done before this podcast, but having done this, it's a great way to get to know a band, I think, and the best, in fact, the best way to get to know a band. Now, one other thing. You should have listened to the album yourself before you listen to this podcast. Our discussion is, intent, is intended to be a companion discussion piece to the listening that you've already done. And we want we don't want our opinions influencing yours. We try and avoid uh, reading too much about the album before we listen to it. And we, in fact, we don't discuss it before this podcast. Right, Scott? We do not. I, I try to sometimes, but, but you'll have none of it. <laughs> I quickly shut it down. Okay. So with that said, the album we are discussing today is called Magma. The band, of course, is Gojira, and Scott is going to tell us all about the album, the album details, when it was released, label, credits, all that sort of stuff. So let's hear it, Scott. This one came out June 17th, 2016, which is four years almost to the day from uh, the release of the, the one prior to it, L'Enfant Sauvage. Again, it looks like it was produced by Joe Duplantier. It was, it's on Roadrunner Records, and they recorded this one at the Silver Chord, which is their studio, in, in New York. Um, lineup, this is, I'm trying to think, this has been the only band we've done so far that's had a consistent lineup throughout, right? I think even yep. Pale Grey Lore had a change-up at some point. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, so we've got, we got Joey D on vocals, uh, Mario Duplantier on drums, Jean-Michel on bass, and Christian Andreu on guitar. I was unable to get any information on who did the artwork. Normally, uh, I'm... Well, I do. Uh, and I have a... Uh, there's a link to it in the show notes. The This is the first album where the cover artwork is not done by Joe, the lead singer and, and guitarist. The cover artwork on this one is done by Hibiki Miyazaki, which is uh, a Japanese name, of course, but it's a, a US-based artist. I believe she now lives in Portland, Oregon, and does a lot of 
work with screen printing and and you know not so much painting and this looks like it, that style uh, and and uses a lot of brings in a lot of sort of vintage influences into her her artwork so yeah there's a link where you can see some of the other stuff she's done what are your thoughts on the on the cover artwork that's interesting that you said is it is it like is it a woodblock print i'm not sure exactly i mean, i'm sure it's in the in the explanation right. but yeah that's something like that i think she's got some big machine that she some old machine that she found in a factory somewhere that she uses somehow. I, I'm not sure, but if you if you do want to dig deeper, you can check that link in the show notes. I uh, I like I, I like I really like the album cover. It and I think it's it's because it, it reminds me of of the drive to school on a on a clear morning. Just how mm. when you're when you're when you're pulling into into Jakarta from Banten and all of a sudden you've just got that giant volcano looming right over you. All right. Uh, I thought you meant the sort of grey and smoky atmosphere. No. <laughs> See, you get it on either a clear day or a not clear day. Um, right. Thankfully, though, I, I've not yet seen that. Or well, I hope I never do. That volcano with a giant plume coming out of it. Yeah, I like the artwork. I mean, there's a couple of interesting things about it. <clears throat> Firstly, you'll notice that nowhere on the cover does it say the name of the band or the album. It does have it on the side. So in the CD, I've got the CD. It's got it printed in the sort of, I guess you call it the margin or, you know, that sort of empty bit at the, the edge of the CD. On the album, it has it printed on the on the side of the album, but not on the cover itself. I think they, they, they then put a sticker on the, on the plastic so that, you know, if you pick it up in the store, you know who it is. But the actual cover doesn't have any sign of who the band is or what the album's called. The I must say the vinyl packaging, and I've also linked to that, looks great. So there's been a fair bit of thought put into the vinyl. If you um, if you don't have it, you should you know, and you want a keepsake, then I would recommend the vinyl. I've got the CD, and like the last one, it's pretty sparse. Like it's just eight small pages. There's the lyrics. Again, we only have a band photo. We don't have the same level of artistic photography we had in the earlier albums. The photo, of course, of take, is taken by Gabrielle de Plantia, Joe's, uh, John Mario's sister. Uh, and there's a little bit more of that cover artwork, you know, throughout. The lyrics are printed, um, but that's it. Uh, the production, uh, it says, produced by Joe de Plantia, mixed by Joe and Johan Meyer, M-E-Y-E-R and mastered by Ted Jensen. Um, and there's some additional engineering credits. I won't, I won't go through them. But yeah, this is the first one in the new studio, which uh, you linked to a video showing how they built that studio, an incredible studio. Uh, and I think it really pay, paid off. I, I really like the production on this album as I had on their previous album as well. But I think this is as good as I've heard them. I'll, I'll say more about it, but yes, the set, the sound, the, the the quality of recording, the sound of the bass. Mm. I mean, the just the bass comes through in so yep. many of the songs. So I guess before we get into this any further, it does say there that it's dedicated to uh, Patricia Rosa, um, which I believe was uh, was the Duplantier boys' mother. Yes, so, who they who, died, who passed away in 
I think during the time they were recording the album mm-hmm. and, and it heavily influenced the songwriting and the, the overall mood of the album. All right, let's do it. Let's get into the track by track. Keep itching to get there. Let's. All right, let's do it. Let's get in there. You can, uh, you can kick us off, the shooting star. Shooting star. <clears throat> so I like the, first off, there's this kind of, that kind of just brief kind of discordant um, strumming. It, it doesn't just, as far as opening tracks go, I think this is probably the most distinctively different opening track for a uh, Gojira album. And the fact that it it becomes very sort of, very sludgy, like a very sort of dropped C kind of sludgy sound to it. It just mm. a different sound in general. I really like the the vocal the the sort of the echo effects that are on the vocals kind of make it bigger, uh, but also more haunting. I think we saw hints of this in the last album, but uh, it is it's it's doing a lot by way of sort of playing with space and allowing there to be space in between notes and 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 movements. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm not even sure this is a metal song. Mm. Is it a metal song? I think it's more of a kind of rock song, and and they acknowledge that in one of the interviews I've linked to in the show notes. It does very much, as you said, signify a, a very new direction for the band. They describe it as an emotional march, and they they state that they deliberately chose this song to present a new face of the band to their fans. I detected a little bit of an English accent in his singing, which I thought was strange from someone who's just moved to New York. I mean, not many people move to New York and and end up with an English accent, but uh, it seems like Joe's the first or one of the first. It is a, it is a stoner. It does definitely have a stoner rock vibe that, that riff. It, reminded me a little or perhaps a little too much of another band. Now, I guess it's one of the dangers when you cross genres or sort of pick up a, a genre that you haven't hitherto you know, indulged in. And that is that perhaps you can tread on some toes, perhaps unwittingly. The band that came to mind was Sleep. The song is Dragonaut, the first song of their 1993 sort of Stoner Doom classic, Holy Mountain. That plotting, doom, 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 it's almost exactly the same tempo. You know, perhaps a little too close, although, I mean, it's you can't accuse them of plagiarism. I mean, it's how do you plagiarise a a one-note riff? But to me, it was just a little bit close for comfort to that Sleep song. And I I think they had played some festivals where Sleep were on the same bill, so maybe it had sort of seeped into their consciousness somehow. Apart from that, the other things that stood out for me were perhaps a hint. I don't know if you'd call it a guitar solo, but you know, there's a point where separation of the guitars, how do you define a solo? I, you know, this is as close to a guitar solo as they have had, and, and I like it. The vocals are certainly different, much more singing. There's still that shouting stuff, but the singing in the foreground and the yelling is in the background, so it's sort of like an echo effect which I, I think sounds amazing and yeah it was the first time like this album has a, just sounds brilliant mario's toms as they did on the last album again have that sort of huge sound and it's got a really sort of soaring and uplifting final section so a, a great opening track and as the band 
intended signifies that this is going to be something different this album. So it really sort of, to, to your average Gojira fan at this point, they'll be sitting up and taking notice in a big way. And this song, I think, also shows that they've they've really kind of figured out how to work in harmonies and melody into the into the songwriting craft, which was yeah. something that was really even noted when I went back and was listening to the first album earlier mm -hmm. today, where just yeah. how much they've come in there. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, so track two, track two, Silvera. Silvera. Did you see the videos? Yeah, is this one in New York? Yeah, it's on. They're on a rooftop in New York. It looks like yeah, drone yeah. footage. Right, where they kind of just sort of, it, it, it feels like they're sort of encompassing the, the city, right? Sort of yeah. their new home mm -hmm. in the song itself too. Um, it, it, but it does, it's, it's, it's sort of more of what we're familiar with, with Gojira, uh, but not, right? <laughs> but, but different. I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's matured. It's, 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 there's definite elements of growth. Uh, there are moments where it kind of takes on this sort of ethereal drone amidst the sort of the break beats and the, the blasts of the drums. Some of the themes from the past come up. There's that whole, when you change yourself, you change the world. That very much could have been off of L'Enfant Sauvage or, uh, or even The Way of All Flesh. Um, and, and the bass, I, he's, you're picking, and I don't know if it's in the recording. If 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 he has, if his style has changed in the last four years, um, but he's got. There's just some sort of cool, like slide things he's doing with the bass. He, he he's not so much as layering what the guitar is doing anymore. He's he's yeah. sort of, or at least I'm hearing it. Maybe he wasn't always doing that, but now I'm hearing it so much more clearly that uh, there is their own sort of bass riffs happening in and around what's going on with the guitar. One thing that stood out to me on this song was how traditional the structure of the song was compared to the very non-traditional song structures that they've used in the past. I mean, this is verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, solo, chorus, end of song. Notice again that I said solo, and I mean, <clears throat> again, you could debate whether it's technically a guitar solo or not. Let's call it a solo. But again, something different on this album that we haven't heard before. Great riff, great song. This is their most played live song, along with Stranded, the uh, fourth song on the album. So, you know, and, and it's one of, I think it's the most viewed film clip of, of this album as well on YouTube. What are the lyrics about? I don't know. Open your eyes to the genocide. I don't know what genocide they're talking about. Um, it, it feels like a call to action, but I'm not entirely sure what the action is or what, they're asking people to rally against, and that's okay. I, I found the lyrics generally much more ambiguous on this album, and I think that's a sign of maturity too. I think lyrics are most effective when there's some ambiguity in their meaning, and, and it's up to the listener then to interpret, to discern their own meaning from the song, and I, I got that from this. I, I couldn't discern any meaning for myself but other than this is a great song and the, you know, the lyrics are kind of cool and suit the music I, I wasn't entirely sure what they were singing about and that's okay good film clip i enjoyed the film clip with the drone footage of new york i thought that was an interesting view of the city that i don't think i'd seen before and the sort of bodies flying in through the sky which matched against the lyrics good song really enjoyed it cue a big big song this one 
and you can see why they love playing it live and, and why the fans would respond to it in a live setting. Well, that brings us to track three, which is The Cell. The first four songs on this album are just, I, I feel like there's not a weak link in there at all. Um, I feel like the sort of the, the strength the, it, it continues here. Uh, again, we get our sort of barrage of drums. What you were mentioning kind of about the songwriting structure and, and sort of noting how the, it follows kind of this pattern, those are the notes that I wrote kind of where I had the, the recognition here. The complexity of the song is sort of tightened up a bit. Um, I think there are, the, the songs are a bit more succinct. succinct. This is a three-minute song. Um, Which is unheard of for Gojira prior to right. uh, but they are, but but again, they're doing a lot more with harmony and melody. Yeah, I mean, this uh, I really like this song. The film clip's good as well. This it's a real stomper. This one, some you know, this would be great to hear live. Those stomping verses, a, a real I've written bone crunching sound. It's just a when they're heavy on this album, it's great. I mean, and there's probably less heaviness overall. But in a way, that makes what heaviness there is more more effective. There's a cry for help in the chorus. Get me out of here. I, I'm not sure again what where is here. Like what's he singing about? I I thought maybe it's kind of a, a song about technophobia and and the modern world. He's you know feeling trapped by technology. But I I couldn't take that thought any further, and I don't have a great deal of evidence from the lyrics to support my theory, but. Again, I don't mind that ambiguity. Great song, basically. Three minutes of just a, a good, fun, fast, frantic metal song with some with some really fist-pumping moments throughout it as well. Which brings us to track four, Stranded. Now, can I just point out to our listeners that this is not a cover of the 1976 song by seminal Aussie punk band, The Saints. So, <laughs> sorry to disappoint you if that's what you were hoping for, but it's not. Do you know the song, Scott? Shame on you. I feel, I feel the link shame. Link to it in the show notes. I'll link to it in the show notes. I do feel the shame. Were you, were you kind of hoping? Were you hoping you were going to get? I would love to hear Gojira cover that song. It's a great song, and it's well worth a listen, honestly. I think I've learned this. I found that this is, I keep coming back to this song, and I think this might be one of my favorite songs on this album. Mm -hmm. I like the, first off, his screams are kind of what you were talking about, in the, again, with the last track, where it, it, it's almost like it, it is a scream for help. I mean, he's, he's mm -hmm. at the, he seems to be at the top of his register here. His voice is breaking on the screams that he does in this mm -hmm. track. I mean, you can hear the pain in it. Um, mm -hmm. It starts off with kind of this Pantera-ish sort of, you know, riff, just this monster riff. Um, yeah, I've written the same band. I've got Pantera-style opening, so we've had the exact same thought there. Walk but, was the song. And here again, though, when it sort of it does that kind of discordant riff that comes off the major monster, the major monster riff, and the bass again kind of veers off, and he's doing his own thing. He's not. He's not sort of just mirroring what the guitar is doing. Um, someone when it gets to the chorus has a flanger. I, I think it's on the bass. Um, yeah, some sort of phasing effect. Yeah, it, I don't know what that is. But um, I like and, 
and then and then there's just sort of like that guttural break between what between the choruses yeah well yeah. that's the interesting thing about this song you get verse chorus and then you think all right there's another verse coming coming but there's no other verses it's just verse chorus chorus solo chorus <laughs> yeah it's just chorus after chorus and the chorus is so great so great. catchy so sort of uplifting that it feels like you know you're sort of up for the whole song as a listener you from the moment you get that first chorus, then you get another and another. It's just, um, it's just a great fun, fun song. This it's like they wrote the chorus and realized, hang on, why don't we just play it again and again and again, <laughs> and it works. And I, I think that to, in itself shows the sort of swagger and, and confidence that the band has developed now that they can just do that and, and create such a cracking song as a result. I do think, and I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to presuppose or assume anything here. But if if this album is a reflection of sort of, to some extent, there are elements of coping with loss. This song, I think, for whatever kind of that to me felt like maybe the first song that that jumped out at me is that maybe maybe this is sort of addressing that. Yeah. Uh, in that interview that I did mention, the um, they talk about three different songs. This is another one of the songs they talked about. The quote was simple, but it's a challenge to stay simple. The next one. So we've got our instrumental here, the first instrumental on the album. This one's called Yellow Stone. Note that it's Yellow Space Stone, not Yellowstone as in the National Park in the US. I really like this. This, And I said this a couple of times on the previous album. I wish they'd kind of flesh this out a bit. It's a bass riff. There's a little bit of Geezer Butler being channeled here or maybe Cliff Burton. I don't know. Choose your favourite historical metal bass player. But I, I pick Geezer. Um, I don't know what the yellow stone is that they're referring to, but I would have liked more of this. It's a really doomy little, little riff, this one. Enjoyed it. I wrote Geezer Butler. I also wrote Ben Shepard. The uh, the bass player for Soundgarden. Okay. Really? Had this sort of that drop C again, and it felt it felt almost like a Ben Shepard riff. And so now here's my question, and and I don't know if you have the credits there. So the first time I heard this, I was it when I went back and listened again, and there's the way that he comes off of the riff, the way that the song kind of ends and goes out, which tells me that it, I think it's guitar. Don't know. I, I don't know if it says in, in, in the CD. But I, was, credit, so. I was thinking it was bass too, and then I was listening, and the I, it's just I don't know the way he comes off of it and hits some higher notes, and it just it sounded the end sounded like a guitar. Maybe there's two going at the same time. I have no idea. Um, anyway, don't yeah, know. I wrote it. it's, a, it's a great song. Uh, it's a great riff. Yeah. So on the vinyl, this serves as the end of side one. Interestingly, mm. and I think a significant break in the album. From this point on, things change from the four tracks that went before this one. The next five are very different. Very different from anything they've done on any of the previous albums. Yeah, and very different to what they've already done on this album. Okay, so now we're going to discuss the next track, which, let me use my Dr. Evil voice for this one, is called Magma. <laughs> that was good. 
Yeah, it was good. Yeah, not You notice I put my finger to my little finger to the edge of my mouth. Magma. Like all the title tracks, I think from all their albums, this to me acts as the sort of centerpiece of the album. And this marks a real mood shift here. The first four tracks were singles. They've all got film clips attached to them, I think. Yes. And and they're short, catchy, big, you know, metal songs. This one marks the start of the sort of longer songs, a real mood shift to the album. There's a slower tempo here, as there has been on a couple of the the previous songs. There's those layers, those background effects. The symbols on this album, I think, tend to be more open than they have been previously, which gives it that sort of swinging, sort of almost stoner vibe. And here we hear Joe singing. So the aggressive yells are kept in the distance, and in the foreground we hear Joe singing. They're very patient on this song and much more patient on the album overall than previously. The the payoff doesn't come until after the second chorus. So it's one of the longer songs on the album. There's a real kind of dreamy feel to it. I don't know uh, if you had that impression, but it's quite a beautiful song. I, I think it's an incredible song, really, and maybe this or one of the later songs was candidates for me for favorite song on the album. What are your thoughts? I like the, the word patience, right? I think the word I had used was starkness, but I think I like the word patience because it's, it sort of starts off in the beginning, the, that first verse and in, in, in into that first chorus where there is kind of just a starkness to everything. There, there is that space that's being used. But, mm. but again, I'm, I'm, I think the word patience where they're just kind of, they're settling in. And then, and then it does fill in. It does fill in in that second chorus, and everything kind of comes in and just and really takes hold. And 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 again with the bass, we get right before you go into the bridge. There's that cool little bass fill that jumps in there, and kind of kind of takes you to the bridge. Yeah, there's a real soaring sort of quality to this. The band I wrote for this was Mastodon at their best. Mm. So not the heavy Mastodon, but Mastodon in their sort of mellower, sort of dreamier um, moments. Yeah, really enjoyed this song. Thoroughly deserving of the title track and, as I said, a centrepiece of the album, I thought. Which brings us to track seven, which is Prey. Uh, this has the, that percussive opening that they were using, they were doing more with in earlier albums, it's sort of like ritual drumming kind of thing. And, and again, we've got Lest Ye Forget, Mr. Duplantier's drumming gets gets put right out there in front for you, and, and you see the display of his prowess and what he can do. And it's got the cool go moment near the four-minute mark where they just then unleash. So this is the third song that the band speak about in their three-song review of the album. And Mario does talk about the technicality of the, of the drumming in that opening section. You used the phrase on the last album, I think, complexity in simplicity, and we hear that on this song. The opening reminded me a little bit in the way it builds up of Crooked Cross by Slayer, which, again, has that same complexity and simplicity. So the gradual layering in of, of new instruments. 
again, as we have had previously in the album, there's these sort of atmospheric background sounds. There's there's some almost sort of chanting in the singing style, which when you think about what the song's called, pray, you know, there's a sort of prayer element in the way he's singing. There is a sort of syncopation and degree of unpredictability that keeps it interesting and separates it, I think, from the more predictable earlier songs on this album. So we're, I think we, we have a much more complex song structure and style here. The last minute is great. There's a muffled section, which they use to great effect, and then one final sort of pummeling section. And it finishes with some kind of shuffling cymbal sound, which I think might be the cymbal recorded or played backwards. I'm not sure. I mean, it's kind of what it sounded like, but it was a quite a sort of interesting effect. It's the most epic song on the album, as the band has themselves identified, the most Gojira song. And I, I think the hardest to play. The band described it as one album in one song, which when you think about it is what all their songs prior to this album, or maybe maybe not L'Enfant Sauvage, but all their previous albums were kind of one out, you know, all the songs on their previous albums were one album in one song, and this is that again. So, yeah, it's the, the hardest song to play, the most complex, but also just a great song. So really enjoyed it and love the go, yeah. <laughs> Heavy metal goes. I'm going to be watching out for those for, forever in a day after this. We, we need a top list of heavy metal goes. Uh, they're, they're, it's already been it's done. Kind of, Don't worry. So, which brings us to number eight, which is Only Pain. This is, you had asked me to give you a heads up when the flanger comes back or that sort of phaser effect or whatever comes back in again. And it, and it seems to be coming back in on this one as well. And, and I mm-hmm. think it's on the bass again as, as I'm listening to it. And that was where, again, I just, I, I, at the forefront of this song, I, I don't have much written about the song. I really like this song, but what really kind of just stuck out with me was um, just how much, again, the bass comes through on this song. Yeah, this is a real bass showcase. So what stood out for me the most on this song, apart from the, the muffled drum opening, which was used to great effect, was the experimental nature of the song. I think this is the most experimental song on the album. There's some unusual vocal effects. There's, yeah, there's that sort of, the fact that the bass is really the star of this song and the the guitars have stood back more than they've ever done in the past and just let the bass take over. I think this is probably the grower on the album and it's also equal to all the tears. Only Pain is the equal in terms of the most depressing song title in Gojira's catalogue, I think. Only pain. Brings us to track nine, Lowlands. So mm-hmm. has he, have we gotten any French? Because he, he, he hits, he, he gives us some French here. And, and as, as I was listening to it, as I was listening to him, this album and him sing, it dawned on me, I don't, maybe he has a, a word here or there, but it's, it's not been as prevalent as, as it is in this song, mm-hmm. um, which I think is, is, is meaningful. This song seems very personal, very, very moving. Um, it's kind of even the way that, again, the, the, I'll go back to the bass. Uh, when we get to the band Brownlow, there's not going to be any surprises here. Um, the, the, the bass style on the sound, on, on, on the song, the sound again, really kind of comes through. But this time it, it's being interwoven as it sort of fades out into that nylon string 
guitar. Gojira goes acoustic. And, and, that, and that's what we that's what we get here. That's sort of how the melody and all of this kind of just wraps up and winds down into the song leading us into the next one. Yeah, I mean, this song, this song, that's my first note is this song, exclamation point. It's so atmospheric. This delicacy in this song, which I've ne we've never used that word just to describe Kojira, delicacy in Mario's cymbal work. The singing is beautiful, like the layered vocals, beautiful lyrics too. This is obviously about the loss of their much-loved mother. Slow, gradual, but deliberate build-up to that really impressive finale, the sort of big, cathartic finish. This is a, a brilliant song. To me, this lifts Gojira. This song caps off the album beautifully, and, and it lifts Gojira into the upper echelon of modern metal bands. I don't think it quite puts them on Mount Rushmore. I was thinking about my metal Mount Rushmore in writing my notes. Then I don't think they're quite at that level, but I think they're sort of next tier. I, I think you have to recognise them now as one of the great modern metal bands. I've put them alongside Tool, Pantera, Sepultura, those types of bands, I think. I think they've earned their place. And I think this song, to me, is the best demonstration of just how far they've come. And again, we talk about the thoughts we had when we put that first song of the first album on, and now we see incredible evolution of a band, not an evolution in what they can do, but an evolution in how, can, how they can harness their sound, how they can bring it together in, into something beautiful, something that uh, elicits a genuine emotional response from the listener. This is, this is a great song and, you know, it's not the last song. We still have one final instrumental, but to me, this is the crowning glory of the band across their entire career. Uh, it's my favourite song on the album. It's a great film clip too, worth watching. Very beautiful sort of natural footage. And, it, you know, for anyone that has lost a loved one, and that's most people, you know the pain that that can bring out in you. But also, it doesn't always have to be a completely negative experience. You can also reflect on the value of life and, and just how important it is to just have special people in your life. Of course, you mourn them when you're gone, but you can also, it, it's also a beautiful thing that they were a part of your life. And, and I think that comes through in this song. It's not all mourning and sadness. There is some beauty in here that, um, to me, takes this band above your sort of average metal band. Of course, from here, we now have one last moment in this band's catalogue before what we, we're hoping is a new album this year. So the final track is Liberation, a very short, lovely little acoustic outro, lo very lo-fi, this one. It almost sounds like they've just shoved a microphone. It sounds like they're sitting around a campfire, right? Uh, a very subtle finish to what I think is a great album. What are your thoughts on the last track? I think it's just the two of them, right? I think it's just Mario and Joe on, uh, yeah. on the guitar uh, on the in the bongo there. This is mm. this is one of those where I feel like this song was. I I don't know, but I, I, and even listening to this song, I felt like this was more for them than it was for me. 
it's a, it's, mm-hmm. it, it is, it's an absolutely lovely little song. It's a, it's, it's a, a wonderful homage tribute to, to, to their mother. If, 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 if that is what it is. Um, it's a, it's a very, a very sort of nice ending to this, to this album. Mm-hmm. Kind of just bringing everything together. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I really like the song. I, I really like the sound of, of, of the guitar. Yeah. Okay. So, that's the album, track by track. Now, one of the things I will link to or have linked to in the show notes is a list of or a ranking by, who was it, Metal Hammer or one of those? Yeah, it was Metal Hammer. Metal Hammer. Every Gojira album ranked from worst to best. They, in that article, rated uh, the best album as From Mars to Sirius. What are your thoughts on that, and where do you think this one that we've just covered stands in their in their catalogue? I had this one as number one. Mm. I had From Mars to Sirius as number three. Yep. Number two? Who, which one's number two? Uh, oh, sorry, L'Enfant Sauvage. Okay. I think I'm the same. Magma one for sure. This is – I mean, the, <laughs> they've evolved again and again and again, so – I guess it just comes down to which part of their evolution. <laughs> to your earlier, and to your earlier point, had 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 you made a okay, well, if you want to get started on Gojira, then you should listen to this album. And if you had thrown Magma out there, it's we're kind of missing it. You're not you're not seeing the journey they went through to get to this album. Mm. And 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 I think following that path has has even just made this album just so much bigger in my mind as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So l- let me just go through the um, Metal Hammer list. So they had From Mars to Sirius at number one. I never quite bought into this as much as I, I could recognise there's some great individual tracks on it, but I never quite bought into that flying whale thing. That The Douglas Adams thing always got in the way for me. I really liked L'Enfant Sauvage, but there were also a couple of moments where I had just wish that they would take things a bit further. Uh, you know, Born in Winter, for example, I just thought, oh, that has such potential and it never quite, they never quite capped it off. Magma feels like a complete album to me, even though it's shorter than their others and, and more focused. It feels like, a, like everything's in there that they wanted to go in there. The Way of All Flesh, I found a good album, but a little bit too dark it almost and draining for me the one that stood out the earlier album that stood out that they had ranked as their worst album was the link now they say you know it's not a bad album and how do you you know how do you pick the worst gojira album it's a hard thing to pick i put the link up there in my top two or three because the link to me was the first sign of who gojira really can be and there's some great songs you know i think of indians and that sort of instrumental final track, you know, there's some great moments on, on the link. And there was also that really heavy one about suffering, he who learns must suffer, whatever that one was. I really enjoyed the link. So of their earlier albums, the link stood out to me. But I think there's no shame in saying that their most accessible album, Magma, is also their best. Did you go through and rank them? I went through and ranked them. And you so here's, them? I did, I ranked them. And Let's hear it. so 
Well, okay, so let's go here. Let's quickly, here's what Metal Hammer had. Metal mm. Hammer had uh, number six is The Link, what you said. Number mm. five is Terra Incognita, their first album. Mm. Number four is The Way of All Flesh. Number three, they had Magma. Number two, L'Enfant Sauvage. And number one, Mars Sirius. Mm. So how I had it, I had number six for me was Terra Incognita. Agreed. Um, Same for me. Number five for me was The Way of All Flesh. That was... And and to your point, it was it was a hard it was kind of a it was a rough album to to kind of hang with for the the three weeks that mm. that until we were able to. I think uh, I'm the same. I think I'm, my bottom two are the same. Wave of Flesh was just too dark for me. I it, I found it a really draining experience. Go and then on. the the link for me was number four. Right. And then I had Mars Sirius, L'Enfant Sauvage, and then Magma. All right. I think I'll go Mars to Sirius four, Link three. L'Enfant and Magma as my top two. So pretty close, really, to yours. I just had Master Sirius a bit lower and the link a bit higher. And Mars to Sirius, there was, I think it was the technical aspect, right? I mean, the technicality of what was being done um, mm. is pretty mind-blowing on that album. I mean, it, it is amazing what they're doing. And, I, and I'm wondering if that's for whoever was, whoever over yeah. at Metal Hammer was ranking this. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you look at a song like Backbone, yeah, the heavy, uh, heaviest matter, where dragons dwell. I mean, there's some great songs on it. No, no doubt. No doubt. Mm. I just found perhaps the technicality maybe needed pulling back at, at times, but, um, and global warming. Well, yeah, it's a great song. Um, but we both agree that Magma is their best, which is also the shorter, the most accessible, arguably the most commercial album. So um, yeah, there you go. And perhaps some people don't agree or, or don't like that so much. They don't like that aspect of the band. Um, now, the band does have one other single that they've released called Another World, which what, you, you actually listened to this before you listened to any Gojira yeah, music. So you, can, you did cheat. Um, but great song and just, again, another example of just how far they've come. They can just write a big, fun, oh, it's an, an epic song, really. I love the film clip too with the sort of cell shading effect, the, uh, the cartoonish style, so they're not taking themselves quite so seriously. And, um, you know, there's a sort of, oh, I don't even, <laughs> I'll let you watch it. I don't want to, let's avoid spoilers, but. Well, they seem to have three styles of videos. They have sort of the live performance, right? Yeah. Uh, which I thoroughly enjoy. They have a couple of the cartoony videos. Mm. Um, and, and then they have sort of like that sepia-toned, yeah, claustrophobic. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and so this, this falls into more of the cartoon style. Mm. Um, mm. But you, 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 now, you see now where I listen to this track, then the first album, and went... How the hell are we going to get from here to there? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to think. I was trying to think of bands that have evolved so obviously in such a way as Gojira have from that first album to now. I mean, there's bands that have changed. Like Pantera started as a sort of glam, you know, hair, band, hair metal act and, and turned into this sort of thrashy um, band that everyone sort of, recognizes now so i mean there was a, a dramatic change in pantera but it wasn't quite an evolution 
Gojira evolved in a stepwise fashion. I guess Metallica kind of did it through their sort of through the nineties. They they experimented, but then they ended up coming back to what they were in a lot of ways. Gojira, to me, is a, just a great example of a band that has grown as they have grown older and and matured. Their music has done the same. Mm. Yeah, no, agreed. Go ahead, you start with the band Brown, though. Yeah, again, as I always do with this, have given it no thought whatsoever. <laughs> but I feel like the bass player, Mr. Jean Michel has to be in there. I'm going to give three to Joe again for his creative direction, his singing and his songwriting is is great. But yeah, the fact that he sings and, and there's just so much emotion in coming through in his contribution to the album. As the creative driver of this album, I think Joe deserves top billing in my votes. I'm going to give two to the bass player, Jean-Michel Labadier. He, again, you know, it's easy to underplay his contribution to previous albums. He's always been there, though. He's always been recognisable. And I think in this one, he's taken that to another level. And sorry, Christian, but I have to give Mario one. Again, as much for his restraint as what he does. We know, we already know what he can do. He's He has... A huge sound in this album. Those, those toms are sounding as big as ever, uh, but also some increasing delicacy on some of these slower, gentler tracks in his cymbal work and just his willingness to step back at various times and give the space to the other band members to do their stuff. So that's my three, two, and one for this one. Mine's exactly the same. <laughs> It's it's exactly the same. I gave uh, Joe the three for again, as you said. I mean, just the the what, what he's done here for the singing, um, the the harmonies, the melodies, the lyrics, the the, the package that sort of has been put together. Um, Jean Michel, my two, the bass really comes through on this. I I, I really hope that that continues with the next album, <clears throat> and my my one to uh, Mario. I, I had a hard time. Mario's never, I've never gone that low with him. In a way, it's almost a compliment to Mario to only give him one because it shows just how much he is stepping back and letting the other band members uh, have a bit of the limelight. Don't you think? I I, I think. So mm. we have a, by the way, the the, the finalist, the winner is, is Mario. Ah, congratulations, Mario. <laughs> he, won, he won it all. Taking home the big prize. All right, so that's it. So we can look forward to the new album at some point this year. But for us, we have other work to do. We have a, a new-ish Atomic Bitch Wax album that we need to go and listen to now. Uh, so it'll be a nice bit of a change from the metal of Gojira back to the stoner rock of the Atomic Bitch Wax. Looking forward to that one. And after that, of course, we have to choose our next band. So it'll be interesting to see where you go or where we go from here. But, yeah, I'm interested to hear what you're looking for in your next band, having come so far from this. I was finding Gojira to be, as much as I was enjoying them, you know, around the time of The Way of All Flesh, I was thinking, man, how much more of this can I do? Like, But i got to say, by the end of this, that feeling had changed altogether. And, you know, I was quite happy to spend 
the three or four weeks we spent with this album, it didn't feel like it was demanding too much of me. It was amazing, really, how, how quickly this album became familiar to me and became like an old friend, um, which I think is, say, again, saying something positive about the album uh, compared to their previous ones. This was a great album to, to end on, I think. I, mm. I agree. Same. There, there were moments where I think Gojira fatigue had, had maybe settled in. Uh, but this album was just just such a, an amazing album. And, and with that said, I can't even begin to explain how how hard it's been to to not listen to the new Bitchwax. Well, tonight's the night. To have to wait till this moment. All right, listen, thank you for sticking with us through this album and through the whole journey of Gojira. What a great band. In a way, I almost feel glad that we kind of missed them first time around. I can't believe it. I, th- I keep thinking, how did I miss this band? But in a way, good, because it's meant we could have the, the last few months that we've had with this band and to, to experience this journey for the first time has been quite incredible. A super band, as I said, sort of next level Mount, Mount Rushmore. So thank you, listener. This has been Unshuffled. You can get all the show notes, all the past episodes on our website, unshuffledpod.com. You can catch us on Twitter at unshuffledpod, and you can email us at unshuffledpod at gmail.com. Thank you to Small Stone and the great band Seven Planets for the use of their track Vanguard in our opening and closing credits. That's off their uh, album Explorer, which is well worth downloading from the small stone Bandcamp page and having a listen to thank you scott well thank you matt and uh thank you thank you listener and uh and thank you gojira thank you gojira <laughs> great album um i mean in terms of the investment that you you, know, you think about what you get out of a band as to compared to what you put in like we give them a few bucks and we get so much joy and pleasure. We're going to cycle back to Atomic Bitchwax and then we'll have a little choose our next band and there'll be, there'll be more to come. So stick with us as we, we continue this journey into musical intentionality. Until then, goodbye. Bye. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, everybody.